On the evening of May 24, 1806, George With ate a meal of milk and strawberries. He then went to bed feeling fine. With was old by then, 80 or near to it, and one of the most famous men in America. His accomplishments were formidable, a signer of the Declaration of Independence, a delegate to the Constitutional Convention, the first law professor in America and only the second in the English-speaking world, and of course, Thomas Jefferson's mentor. Everybody in Richmond knew and respected With, stern, frugal, and flexible With, for whom a meal of milk and strawberries was plenty. The next morning, May 25th, he had a typically Spartan breakfast in the company of his African-American maid, Lydia Broadnax, and his student, an African-American man named Michael Brown. Within a few hours, all three had become violently ill. Within a few weeks, two of them, Brown and With, had died. With lasted the longest, holding on, it seemed, by the sheer stubborn force of his character. And before he breathed his last, the old judge is said to have uttered three words that turned sleepy Richmond on its head and led to a notorious trial. He said, I am murdered. I'm Brendan Wolf, managing editor of Encyclopedia of Virginia at Virginia Foundation for the Humanities. On this episode of Not Even Past, we will look at the foul end of George With. It's a sad and compelling tale and one that could hardly have been predicted. In 1806, his household included Lydia Broadnax, freed by Wythe in 1797. She now owned her own home and worked for her former master. A free black man named Michael Brown actually lived with Wythe, who tutored him in Greek and Latin. Together, Broadnax and Brown looked after the old man, keeping him on his routines. Wythe's grandnephew also lived there, but he came and went. George With Sweeney, he was called. Named for his famous uncle, he didn't have anything like the old man's reputation. He was known to have gambling debts, for instance. And two days after his uncle became ill, he attempted to cash a check for $100 at the Bank of Virginia. The teller later told police that the check had been drawn in the name of George With Esquire. With's signature looked forged, the teller said, and when he confronted Sweeney, the young man panicked. He covered the $100 and then quickly left. Bank officials combed their records and came up with six additional checks they believed Sweeney had counterfeited. He was soon arrested. One can't help but wonder, though, why did the bank notice something amiss with this check and not the others? Did the teller know that the great George Wythe had fallen ill? Had rumors already begun to circulate that his no-good grandnephew might have had something to do with it? Or was this all just a coincidence? The police arrested Sweeney at his uncle's house. In patting him down, one of the officers felt the outlines of two paper-wrapped parcels. He didn't take them, though. Then, a day or two later, a slave who labored at the jail discovered a package of arsenic wrapped in paper lying in a garden near the jail. Had someone thrown it over the jail wall? Two men then came forward and reported that several weeks earlier, Sweeney had asked them about different kinds of poisons. Someone else reported to police a story that came to him secondhand. He said that a group of African Americans had witnessed Sweeney chopping something in his uncle's workshop, and whatever it was, it had stained the axe yellow. As it happens, one of the most common types of arsenic is yellow. So the evidence against George With Sweeney had begun to accumulate, 
Not for fraud, mind you, not for check forging, but for attempted murder. I am murdered. That's what the judge had said. And I imagine with, stern, frugal, and flexible with, his voice raspy and weak, his eyes red and insistent, making one last appeal to common sense. I am murdered. And although he wasn't dead yet, that's what he believed. On June 1st, the student Michael Brown died. This was about a week after their fateful breakfast together. And on that same day, Wythe wrote his grandnephew out of his will. He also requested that his doctors search Sweeney's room and trunk. They discovered paper like the kind found with arsenic near the jail. They also found strawberries that looked to have been treated with a mixture of arsenic and sulfur. Wythe even told one of his doctors, cut me. The man understood this as a request to perform an autopsy once Wythe succumbed. Wythe held on, though, white-knuckled, for another week. He finally died on June 8th. As promised, his doctors performed an autopsy. They later testified that the state of his internal organs was consistent with arsenic poisoning. They were careful to add that it was consistent with other ailments, too, and although a definitive test for arsenic was available, they didn't perform it. News of the great statesman's death traveled across the country. A friend wrote Jefferson in the White House, and papers from Philadelphia to New York reported that a trial was imminent. It's worth reminding ourselves of the moment, I think. It's 1806, or just 30 years after Thomas Jefferson had penned the Declaration of Independence and George Wythe had signed it. Even then, the Founding Fathers were considered heroes, and when one of them died, a still young and patriotic country was reminded again of its origins. When such a death came by foul means, well, a certain pathos took over. In his eulogy, one of Wythe's former students addressed a crowded statehouse chamber. A kinder heart never throbbed in the bosom of a human being. His soul was the seat of benevolence and sensibility. His unwillingness to give trouble and pain was apparent almost in his last agonies. His benevolence was placed on an unworthy subject and repaid with black ingratitude. As George Wythe Sweeney prepared to face a jury in the fall of 1806, this is how many folks saw him, with nooses in their eyes. Which makes what happened next all the more shocking. Two of George Wythe's closest friends agreed to defend Sweeney. These were extremely important men. Edmund Randolph had been Secretary of State and Attorney General under George Washington. William Wirt later would serve as Attorney General under both James Monroe and John Quincy Adams. In a letter to his wife, Wirt felt compelled to justify his unexpected decision. He explained that one of the doctors involved in the autopsy had changed his mind. The cause of George Wythe's death had been excess bile, not poison. I had concluded Sweeney's innocence was possible, Wirt wrote, and therefore it would not be so horrible a thing to defend him as at first I had thought it. The proceedings lasted just a single day. Although the trial records have been lost, surely there was testimony about an axe stained yellow with arsenic, about a piece of paper found tossed over the jailhouse wall, 
about tainted strawberries in the defendant's room, about a series of forged checks, and for that matter, about the deceased suspicions of his own grandnephew. Surely they argued that excess bile did not also kill Michael Brown. One theory of the crime suggests that Sweeney killed with when he thought he might be caught for writing those checks. Another posits that he really wanted to kill Brown because the young African-American man had been written into With's will. Whatever the case, the jury returned its verdict on the same day. Not guilty. What happened? Some people complained that Lydia Broadnax, George With's black maid, was not legally permitted to testify against a white man. If she had come to court and said her piece, Sweeney would have been hanged. That's what some folks claimed. Still, Sweeney had been indicted easily without her evidence. So perhaps the problem was the autopsy. The doctors could have performed a test for arsenic, but didn't. Then, when men the caliber of the lawyers Edmund Randolph and William Wirt changed their minds, that's bound to have an effect on a jury. Keep in mind, too, that all the evidence was circumstantial. Not a single witness testified to having seen George Sweeney poison anyone. The next day, Sweeney was convicted of forgery, but even that was overturned on appeal. He ended up leaving the state in disgrace. As for With, memory of him eroded over the years, like that house of his. It stood on Fifth and Grace Streets in Richmond and was made of yellow wood. After his death, neighbors used the garden as a market, and a bit later, local kids founded a thespian corps inside the old house's broken-down walls. Eventually, the whole place was torn down. It's a business district nowadays, with no sign of with or of murder. George With. Stern, frugal, inflexible, poisoned With. Has all but disappeared. To read more about George With's murder, and read the complete testimony from an early investigation, go to encyclopediavirginia.org. <laughs>